It's really an adventure to drive down here from De Quincey. I never know whether it's going to take 30 minutes or three hours. I don't know whether to, to bring a pack of a lunch or an overnight kit when I'm coming down here sometime with this highway situation going on. But maybe, maybe I'll live long enough to see him finish the highway. I'll never make the bridge that's out. Forget that. <laughs> Glad to be here. Glad to see all of your smiling faces. Well, except one or two old frownies, but it's good to be here. You know, the Lord knew what he was doing when he had the church assemble periodically. I miss my brothers and sisters when I don't get to see them. I'll sure be glad when we get back to the hugging and kissing stage, too. I don't know whether to bump fists or back off and not touch it. It's, it's not good. I like to just blow. Maybe we'll get there one of these days. Laura and Delta got together and give us a, what they call a double whammy. On top of our viruses and black bugs and mosquitoes, we're having a tough year. But remember what the Bible says. In this life you will have trouble. Remember this if you don't remember nothing else. This ain't heaven. We're going to heaven. But we're still here on this earth. And we will have some troubles here along with an awful lot of good blessings. Amen. You know, these hurricanes done a lot of damage, mostly, not altogether, but mostly to our stuff. Amen. Stuff. That's, that's not the real thing. The real thing is life and love and family Christians and Christ and heaven. Uh, a lot of this other stuff that we fall in love with is just stuff. And I like my stuff. Hated to see all my stuff tore up. And my stuff was worse than your stuff, I bet. No, <laughs> I understand. But it's stuff. Don't get your priorities mixed up as we live here in this world. I'm going to tell you just one more little hurricane story and then we'll get off of that. This is sort of like a Robert Ribley's uh, believe it or not story. This last hurricane, let's see, that was Delta, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay. I was uh, staying at home by myself and it was a blowing and a going. But I finally went to sleep right in the middle of it all. Slept pretty good. Next morning, I woke up, and I said, oh, my goodness, hate to walk outside. Of course, I didn't have many trees left. The first one blew over 15 trees in my yard, 15. So I didn't have many left, two or three old scraggly-looking ones left. But I said, I'll go outside and see what's happened. I walked around, and sure enough, this is down, that's down, this tree's down, there's them limbs all, blah, blah, blah. You know, everything's filled up. 
I got to quit saying that, blah, blah, blah. I'll start to go ahead and saying it all. But I was walking around my yard. I got to the front yard. I have a sidewalk to my front door out to the street. And out there at the end of that sidewalk, a certain contractor that had been working for me just before this last hurricane blew in said, do you mind while uh, I put up my little sign in the yard advertising what I'm doing, maybe somebody else might want me. I said, no. And so he took a little cardboard sign that big on little wire things that hold it in the ground and stuck it down there by my sidewalk. Now you understand, this thing's flimsy. I can nearly blow it over myself. And when I walked out, that, I believe it was a Saturday morning after Delta. Everything blowed down around the house, but that little silly sign <laughs> stood right there. Well, that's, that's a believe it or not, Ripley, isn't it? Amazing. Oh, well, let's talk about something that we need to talk about. I want to talk today about my favorite church. Now, don't get all excited. I'm not talking about contemporary churches. You're one of my favorite in my contemporary churches, but we're not going to talk about that. I'm talking about my favorite church of the New Testament churches back in the days of the apostles. You know, just before Jesus left this earth, before he ascended back to God, he told his apostles, you go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And they did that. Literally, they did that. And they made Christians and they established churches all over the world. Paul was writing to the uh, Colossian brethren and he said in Colossians 1.23, the gospel had been preached to every creature under heaven. Amen. That's what God told them to do, gave them the power to do it, and they went out and done it. And established lots of churches all over the world. But I'm going to talk about the favorite one of mine that we read about during the days of the apostles. It came up on the second journey of the Apostle Paul. Throw the map up here on the board. And I bet y'all are in awe of my artistic ability, aren't you? I'll sign uh, autographs right after the service today. In case you want to be remembered, remember me as a great artist. Okay. I really uh, put these things up there because since I found that new little thing with that little button on it, that, ain't that something? Tickles me to use that, so that's why I do it. Okay. It was on his second missionary journey. He started right here in Jerusalem, and he was going to take several people with him. Went on up here to Antioch. This is this is where the great mother church was, first church, and then the, later on they made a great, basically Gentile church when the Gentiles were brought in at Antioch. And then from there, he started up towards Asia. And he got as far as Troas, and the Lord said, No, I don't want you to go to Asia. You turn back left towards Europe. 
And so here he went. Now see, this is all the Mediterranean Sea. You see all that. That's the Italian peninsula. That's the Grecian peninsula. So he went to Troas, and so he turned back towards Europe, and he went to Philippi. Y'all remember Philippi, that's where he got there, and it wasn't a synagogue. There wasn't many Jews there, but some of the women were meeting down on the, uh, by the seashore, went down there and preached to them and converted one of them, Lydia. And then a little after that, Paul got in trouble and got thrown in jail, him and Silas. You remember while he's in jail, well, the earthquake and all that good stuff. And he converted the jailer. And that little church was started there with a woman and a Gentile jailer. Not a very auspicious start for a church, but came out to be what I think was Paul's favorite church. If you read the book of Philippians, you will get the same idea that maybe that was his favorite church. I don't know that now. I'm just guessing, you understand. But anyway, after he left Philippi, he went over to Thessalonica, started a big church there, came down to Berea, another church. Paul's having lots of success, several people with him. And then he left Berea and came down here to Athens. This is on the what they call the Grecian Peninsula, Athens. He hit a snag at Athens because uh, Athens was full of Grecian philosophers and they liked to do a lot of talking about religion. They didn't practice a lot. They're assorted uh, infidel religions, if you want to call it that way. But they all, they like to talk about it. In fact, they gathered up on Mars Hill in Athens. It's a famous place where they would gather and talk and share their ideas about philosophy and religion and all that stuff. And Paul stopped there and tried to deal with them. In fact, he got up on Mars Hill and made a speech to them all. It's recorded in the book of Acts. Interesting what he how he approached preaching to them. But he preached to them. But in reality, he didn't have any luck much there. Uh, ideally, at that time, he actually didn't manage to establish a church right there. Later on, there may have been one put together. But right then, he didn't have much luck. Okay. So he decided to leave there. Now, his... Helpers that had been with him up to this time had dropped off for one reason or another, and he was by himself finally. Let me tell you about this. I got uh, one of the people visiting with you today is my uh, daughter-in-law that married my youngest son, Carlene. Now, Carlene is a world traveler. David, her son, isn't much. He'll travel in the United States in his motorhome with her, but when she starts going too far overseas, he don't do all that much. But she's been all over the world, uh, Asia, Europe, everywhere. She went over there with a bunch of her lady friends one time, and they spent quite a bit of time right in there in the Grecian Peninsula and in the Italian Peninsula. And she has been Right there, right there, 
right here and right down there, talking to me about it. She said Athens was a beautiful city. Uh, the ruins were well preserved. It was well taken care of, and it, it was a pleasure going through them and hearing all about these things. And she went to Mars Hill there where Paul was at when, with the philosophers and so on and so forth. But when she got down to Corinth, she was expecting a lot more, and it was really a big disappointment. It's still a large city, but for the most part, it's not well kept, it's not well organized, lots of very poor people there still, slums, areas, and she was disappointed pretty much in Corinth. But anyway, Paul, when he left Athens, was by himself now, but he said, I'm going to head down there to Corinth. I think he may have been apprehensive about going because he had heard about Corinth. It was a large city at the time he went down there and preached somewhere between 400,000 and 600,000 people. It was nearly altogether Gentile. There were a few Jews there because there were enough Jews to have established a synagogue. And I think you had to have eight or nine Jewish males of age in order to have a, establish a synagogue. They did have a synagogue there, but it was primarily Gentile people. And as such, they practiced all sorts of these uh, pagan religions. It was a very wicked city in many respects, from our standpoint, we would, even our worst cities, perhaps doesn't come up to the standard of the, the paganism that existed in that city. It was a great port. You see, it's located right there. See, that's water, and that's water over there, and then down there, and it ain't. It ain't but five miles right across there. You know what they call that little strip of land that connects a large body of land with another body of land? I bet it's a word you never have used. It's an isthmus. Ain't that a funny word? I-S-T-H-M-U-S. You got to spit to say it nearly. <laughs> Ithmus. Everybody say it with me. Ithmus. Have you ever used that word before in your life? I never had till I got to reading about this. Anyway, Corinth is located on an isthmus. It ain't but five miles across there. All these ships back in those days, they'd done a lot of trading around here. They were small, not much bigger than some of our larger shrimp boats, sailing vessels. And this was a bad time in the wintertime to try to sail around here. 
And they'd park there at car rent sometimes and wait two or three months till the winter days are over and the seas got a little better before they went on around up in here or up in there. So them Corinthians got an idea. <clears throat> All they had between, this is sea level right here and that's sea level right there. And if we could cut us a ditch across there, we could make a lot of money charging people to go across there. And they tried it. But they had some little low hills and they never could get a canal big enough. Of course, we've built a canal that's longer than that down in Panama since then. Of course, well, that was a long time ago. But they couldn't make a ditch. But I'll tell you what they did do. They made them some skids from here to there. And they had put these boats, remember they're not all that big, up on these skids and pull them with animals over there. Ain't that something? All that's extra. <laughs> anyway, this was a big seaport city full of atheists. They didn't believe in the one true and living God. They worshiped all kind of strange gods. The city was full of pagan temples. They had on a temple to three major temples, Apollo, Aphrodite, and Venus. In the temple of Venus alone, there was a thousand prostitutes that partook of the religious services that was part of the religious services. Sex itself was a, 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 a center part of their religion. That's the extent of their idolatry, their paganism. Their religious activity was centered around it. It was a Wicked city in every aspect of the world. Paul got there about A.D. 52 by himself now. Tell you the truth, I don't know but what he was kind of hard up for money because he didn't waste any time getting him a job right quick. He went to the synagogue and met a man there who was a Jew, a fellow Jew, and he met him and he happened to have the same skill that Paul did. See, every Jewish man was given a skill that he could support himself when he was from the time he was a young man until he got to be an adult. And Paul even though he was a comparatively rich man in his former life before he became a Christian, he was taught that skill by his parents and that skill was tent making. And he happened to run in a guy there that was a tent maker in the synagogue when he first got to Corinth. And so he dwelled with him and helped him make tents to support himself, I think. Like I told you, I think Paul was a little short on cash. And so he had to work. In fact, early in his first and second missionaries, he'd done quite a bit of work to support himself. Later on, he had established so many churches that they began to support Paul and help him. But at first, he had to work and support himself. And he met this guy. And so he started making tents and he started preaching. 
Initially, he just preached to the Jews in the synagogues. But now the synagogues had a certain place where Gentiles were allowed. And some of the pagan Gentiles were coming to this Jewish synagogue to listen to this strange talk about a Jehovah God, a one true and living God. And some of them were interested. So Paul was preaching sort of to the Jewish people there in the synagogue, but also to the a Gentile audience. And he began to have interest on both sides. In fact, eventually, the Gentiles showed more interest than the existing Jews there in the city of Corinth. But the Bible tells us that God told him, and you read about all this over in the book of uh, Acts, uh, in the 18th chapter of the book of Acts, and, and he, it tells us there that he dwelt there for about a year and a half. And he began to convert both Jew and Gentiles. And uh, God encouraged him. In fact, over in the book of Acts, where you're reading about this, it says, uh, after Paul departed Athens, came to Corinth, going down in that chapter 18, then the Lord spake to Paul by night in a vision. That's why he first, when he first got to Corinth, don't be afraid, speak, and hold not your peace, for I am with you, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. God was interested in Corinth. I don't care how bad you are, how far away you've wandered, God is interested in you. These people were down at the bottom of the barrel. They were heathen idolaters of the worst sort. God says, I've got many of them that will respond to my gospel. Don't ever be the one to decide who hears the gospel or who doesn't. We never know where God is looking. The gospel is for all. From the best to the worst of any part of humanity. And God said to Christ, God said, or Jesus to Paul, you stay here, you work, many people I have in this city. And so later on we find a little bit further down there, and he stayed there a long time, and many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed, and were baptized. But it was a wicked city. It's interesting to me that while Paul was at here, at Corinth, the first trip he made there, while he was there, he wrote the book of Romans. Now Paul hadn't been to Romans since he had become a Christian. And he really wanted to go there. But before he ever went to Rome, and he went there under adverse circumstances later on as a prisoner, if you remember, he wrote them a book, and it's kept for us here as the book of Romans. Now, it's interesting to me that as he's writing to the book of Romans, he begins to describe this Gentile heathen idolatry. 
Now listen, as he's writing to the Romans, you guys don't get mixed up into this. Listen to him as he says. For this cause God gave them up to vile affections. Their women did change the natural use unto that which is against nature. The men having leaving the natural use of the woman, burning their lust one towards another with men, working that which is unseeming, and receiving in themselves that recompense of the arrow which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them up to a reprobate mind to those things that are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, hate, debate, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters of inventors of evil things, disobedient to understanding, to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural effectual, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they commit such things are worthy of death, not only do them, but have pleasure in them that do them. Where do you think he's getting all that from? He's standing in Corinth looking at it. He's writing to the Romans, don't be like that. This was a bad place. It's a wonder to me how he was able to establish a church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the only reason that he could is because he had access for them to get to the blood of Jesus Christ. That's all. These were some bad folks doing bad things in the name of heathen religion. And yet some of them. In fact, it says many of them became Christians. Paul was bold and strong, even in this hotbed of evil. And although he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And he stayed there preaching and teaching and working for a year and a half. And he made, converted many of them, both Jew and Gentile, and started the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And after a year and a half, he finally sailed back bloop, over here to Ephesus. And he's going to stay there for a while. Now let me tell you about the church after he left. They started so good. They were washed clean. Every sin they had ever committed was washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. But before long, the Jews and the Gentiles, see, and the congregation. Remember, this is a young congregation. How long have you been a member of the church? You know how long I've been a member of the church? About 80 years. I should be pretty well established in 80 years. These people had been a member of the church one, two, or three years. And so he began to hear trouble. He's sitting over here at Ephesus now. Paul is. 
heard about my church in over there in Corinthians. What's happening to them? They have fallen in all sorts of trouble. They've got division. They've got, they're introducing idolatry into the worship of the church. Fornication inside of the body. Legal issues. The problems with the Lord's Supper. Worship protocol problems. Collection problems. Lord's Supper problems. Resurrection questions. Misuses of the Holy Spirit and uh, spiritual gifts. What a mess. They had fallen into. And Paul loved that church. We know that God loved that church. And Jesus loved that church. Because he says. I have many people in this city. You stay there Paul. And work with them. And look what they've fallen into. But yes. Don't forget. These are babes in Christ. If any of you ever had any babies at home, you don't expect them to act like an adult, do you? How long does it take for a baby to become civilized, sort of? It takes a while. It takes several years. Remember, this is a church. He left there after about a year and a half. Some of them had been baptized a year and a half. Some of them had been baptized three days maybe. And he left to go to Ephesus. And then about a, a six or eight months later, he hears about all these problems. They're babes in Christ. You cut babies a lot of slack. Let's be careful, those of us who are sitting here on the, uh, uh, the, the bench of, I've been a Christian for 50 years, good, and I'm happy and glad for you. Let's be careful about how quickly we condemn those who are babes in Christ. Amen. And these folks, remember where they came from. I'll bet you, I don't know your background, but I'll bet you, Somewhere along the line, you became from a religious background that most of you are in this building right here. We've been born and reared in a country that has a religious foundation. We started out a lot different than these folks did here in Corinth. <clears throat> and so Paul, when he heard about their having trouble... He wrote them a stern, loving, correcting letter. And we have it in our Bible and it's called the book of 1 Corinthians. As a matter of fact, it's probably not the 1 Corinthian letter. Paul says uh, in another place that he talks about a prior Epistle I have written to you. Probably this is a second Corinthian letter that our first Corinthian letter. But never mind. It's the first one that God decided to keep for us, and we call it the first Corinthian letter. But it was a while it was a stern and correcting letter, it was a loving letter. And listen to how he starts it out. <clears throat> It 
Here it is. It was read to you this morning in our text. Paul called an apostle of Jesus Christ to the will of God, Nisosthenes, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all in every place that call upon the name of the Lord, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Who's he writing? Them people that's all fouled up over there, them babes in Christ. And he says they're still saints and we've got to work with them and correct them and help them. And Paul says, uh, I've uh, got my eye on you and I'm coming to see you again and I want you to straighten up. He's plain and you're careful about what they needed to do, but he wasn't trying to condemn them to hell He's going to help them dig themselves back up there where they need to be. And in the last chapter of that book, you know what he says? I know you're going to do it. Amen. Folks, God wants us to be saved. Amen. He'll go to an awfully long way to have us be saved. Even if it means giving his only begotten son to die for us. Listen to me. God does not give up a son or a daughter easily. Like I wouldn't. And like you wouldn't. We'd wait a long, long time. That's why Jesus told us about the prodigal son. He made it very clear that God was waiting and looking and longing down that lonesome road for that son or that daughter to come back home. And that's why Corinth is my favorite church. Two or three reasons. <laughs> Makes me look pretty good. As bad as I am. Up beside the Corinthians, I look pretty good. It makes our congregation look good. Oh, my goodness, how good you look up beside the Corinthians. And it helps me more than anything else have a better understanding of grace and mercy. And that's what it's all about. We're going to make it. God can save the vilest of sinners. And he can make them white as snow. And lift them up and time and time again. Now that doesn't give us, uh, turn us loose and let us do anything we want to. Of course it doesn't. But when in our weakness we fail, he'll pick us up. And he's ready to pick us up. He wants to pick us up. And if sometimes you think that you're weak and wicked and sinful... And maybe even lost. 
God can raise you up and make you a new creature through our Lord Jesus Christ. And not only me, but many others here today, right in this congregation, is living proof of that. In many ways, I've been where the Corinthians were. And God brought me back. I will give you one money back guarantees. We always like these money back guarantees. I'll give you this. Keep it in mind if you forget everything else that I've said today. You will never regret becoming a Christian. But oh my, if you don't become a Christian, one of these days you're going to stand before God and I'll tell you, you will regret that. If we can help you become a Christian, we'll do that today. If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, ready to turn away from your sinful life, confess His name and be baptized and wash away your sins, we'll help you. If you're a Christian and maybe you've wandered away a little bit like these Corinthians had, come on back home. He wants you. He's ready. He'll wipe them all away and make you white as snow. If we can help you anyway, won't you come all together? We stand and while we sing.